All right, so just to slow this down for a second, um, this is a disclaimer. Make sure that maybe you're wearing headphones if you're around little kids. Um, you know, as you know, most of our episodes are pretty clean. Um, but, but for adult ears. But for adult ears, and this one is definitely for adult ears. Happy Independence Day in the U.S. Woo-hoo! America. <laughs> I hope you are camping or doing something awesome, grilling something outside with the family, having a good Independence Day. Yes. And for those not in the U.S., hopefully you can celebrate <laughs> along with us. Well, we are celebrating another kind of freedom today, and that is freedom in the bedroom. Yes. See what we did there? <laughs> So we get DMs every single week regarding permissions and prohibitions around sex and intimacy. Um, from uh, They want to know from a biblical perspective, what can they do and not do? Right. And so today we are going to attempt that. We've never done this really before. Yeah. In fact, we've uh, thought about it over the years doing an episode like this. And we've done a monthly live date, several monthly live date nights focused on yeah. these topics. Um, we dive into it very specifically at our adventure and intimacy retreats. Yes. And we also get a lot of questions in our in-person retreats when we go to churches and and do seminars. So this is not a subject that we're shy about, but we just wanted to be careful. We wanted to be careful. And I think, you know, now it's been a few years of doing this podcast. And if you've been listening for a long time, we've developed rapport together, hopefully. (laughs) And you know um, our intent, our motivation, our motives, you know um, our heart. And so I think it's a good time for us to be able to share some of these answers to specific questions we get on the regular. Yeah, we just want to be a resource for you and really come alongside you and have a conversation around this. You know, yeah. we don't want this to just be a one-sided street, but we want to talk about it theologically, you know, mm-hmm. exegetically. What does the Bible say regarding some of these issues? Because if we believe deep down that sex is bad, that sex is dirty, it's going to put breaks on our sex life, on our intimacy. And we're not going to have the fulfilling intimacy and joy within the covenant of marriage that God wants us to have. So we do need to look at this stuff. Amen. (laughs) So before we get into permissions and prohibitions, which by the way, that seems to be the main thing that Christians want to focus on. What's okay and what's not okay. But the main thing we actually need to focus on is the celebration of sex. Yes. Pleasure. That's what we see all throughout scripture. You know what's really interesting is it seems like we have a very defined theology around suffering, theology around um, bodily mortification, all these things. But what we haven't really talked about is what is a a good theology around uh, pleasure? Yeah. Like, does God want us to experience pleasure? And so... As we were looking and talking and reading and thinking about this, I think that God does want us to experience pleasure. Um, He made us capable of experiencing ecstasy. Um, Just think about like the fact that God made us with 10,000 taste buds, with the ability of of tasting all the unique different types of food. Like he could have made food taste like sawdust. Like here, here, eat (laughs) your food, you know, like fill your belly, enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> and and it could have been nasty or yeah. we just wouldn't ever know the difference, right? We would just eat it once in a while when we need, thought we need to. But instead, God created this incredible experience of eating food that's so flavorful, so diverse, mm-hmm. that it really could capture the imagination of people for a lifetime. Yeah. So food is incredible. But you also can look everywhere. Like, why did God make birds that sing? 
He didn't have to do that. Why did he make, when we go outside and we go into the mountains, why do we walk into the mountains and just think, this is absolutely beautiful? So he didn't have to give us the ability to appreciate beauty. And obviously the elephant in the room is why did he make sex pleasurable? Right. Because procreation could have just been like, insert this in this, have a baby, and it wouldn't necessarily had to have been pleasurable. Right, right. Just think about the woman's body. The woman's body is beautifully created, and but it's, it's really designed specifically. Uh, just think of the clit. The clit is specifically designed in order to experience pleasure. There's no other reason for it to be there. Mm-hmm. So God was very intentional about creating a woman that's able to enjoy um, her husband and intimacy and to experience really the height of pleasure. Um, and same with a man. He didn't have to make it fun. Right. So that's all to say, like, this is, th- there's a huge different, uh, there's a huge argument that we can give around this, but know that God is a good God and he makes it good. He makes all things good because that's who he is. He is good. And he wants to give good gifts to his kids. I mean, he says that how, how come you being evil, I think it's Matthew seven, know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give gifts to them who, who love him? Mm -hmm. God wants you to enjoy uh, pleasure. I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about like it's the Christian duty to experience pleasure when God gives us gifts and mm. to and to seek to enjoy what He's given. Because you think about what if you're giving your good gifts to your kids, and your kids don't express happiness mm. or or satisfaction or don't express any sort of gratitude or or thankfulness for the gifts that He's given. And say that I've given them really nice gifts. I've really prepared these things. They're to experience this great, beautiful thing. But yet we just, or or your kids just never see it or never really try to enjoy. Mm. That would leave you a little bit sad. And especially knowing since, you know, life isn't always easy. And so sometimes we get into sorrow. And and I, as a dad, don't want my kids to go through sorrow. But sometimes that happens, go through hard times. It, It all happens to all of us. But what happens when we've not experienced pleasure or fun for a long time and we see our kids, that would leave them really down. So I think the pleasure and fun and enjoyment is supposed to balance out the sadness and grief and all those things that will come. So there's just a really brief thought, (laughs) mind dump for you on the theology of pleasure. I'd love to hear more, maybe some more scriptures that you could find of why would a good God want us to experience good things? And specifically, the marital relationship and the pleasure we experience in marriage needs to mirror the pleasure that God intends to experience with us and us with him. Because Mm -hmm. God's relationship with Israel, Christ and the church, is that mirror, that parallel of our relationship with each other as husband and wife. So um, it's a beautiful thing. Pleasure is good. And sex is to be celebrated. Um, before we got into permissions and prohibitions, we just wanted to make sure that you had this healthy understanding of how great it is. And it's, we're not just focused on do's and don'ts, but there are some scriptural do's and don'ts. So we're going to share that with you very briefly. By the way, we dive into this in detail at our adventure and intimacy retreat, which yes. we have coming up in October in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Come and join us. We people. want you to join us. 
Um, so we're not going to go into all the detail here, but we are going to get more specific than we ever have on a podcast about permissions and prohibition. Yes. Just because we have the time to open up and really understand and, and honestly, so many people have deep down the idea that this is bad Yeah, and it puts the brakes on. So here we go. Let's, let's just kind of a brief overview Kay. of permissions okay, or well, prohibitions. Yeah, let's start with prohibitions because okay, um, it's pretty specific. Buckle you know? up, folks. So these are probably things that we've heard before. We're going to give you scriptural prohibitions, and then we're going to give you prohibitions that are actually non-scriptural um, that you know we just get from concepts we see in Scripture, not necessarily that Scripture lists the, these things as prohibitions. Yeah, so principle-based. Right. So for the first one, prohibitions, and we're not going to give Scriptures for all of them, although we have them. Um, fornication, right? So immoral sex comes from that Greek word porneia, which means unclean. It's number two, adultery, sex with someone who's not your spouse. That's a prohibition in scripture. Yeah. Homosexuality. I know a lot of people will argue with you these days about this being a prohibition in scripture, but it's very clear that for a man to have sex with a man or a woman to have sex with a woman is detestable to God. That's in Leviticus, Romans, 1 Corinthians, so that's the next prohibition. Yes. And I think we can also, we, we need to do a whole different podcast on homosexuality. Yeah. But, um, well, we actually did one with Sean McDowell. Sean McDowell. That's right. Yeah. Go, go back and listen to that. Great perspective on, because um, a lot of people actually do experience same sex attraction. That's not the result of just culture pushing it on people. So what do we do with those sort of people? How do we help them? How do we love them? I think that's a really important thing for Christians to be equipped on. Yes. Okay. So number four for prohibition. Impurity. So we're not supposed to be impure, like to engage in things that make us impure. Mm -hmm. Um, The the word uh, for uh, moral uncleanness or impurity uh, is rupos. That's in Revelation twenty two eleven. Um, there's also the Greek mulvno, um, and that's in Revelation fourteen four, and it refers to losing one's virginity. This is a scriptural prohibition. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, orgies for a married couple to be involved um, with sex orgies or different couples. It's an obvious violation of yeah. scripture. Because I've heard people use the 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 verse that says that the marriage bed is undefiled to say like, Hey, we could just do whatever we want in bed. Well, no, (laughs) there are scriptural prohibitions. Yeah. There are things that we don't do in the bed. Um, the number six is prostitution, paying for sex, morally wrong. It is condemned throughout scripture. We see that all throughout the old Testament, Mm -hmm. the new Testament. Um, so prostitution, number seven, lustful passions, um, so first let me tell you what this does not mean. Lustful passion does not refer to that powerful God-given sexual desire for your spouse, for a husband and wife to have for one another. Um, it's well, talking, I actually heard a rabbi talking about this Oh yeah. and he said, you know, God says in the 10 commandments not to lust after your neighbor's wife. Right. Yep. But he says, but that means the implication is you can <laughs> lust after your own wife. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He says that you're supposed to. That's good. Um, So just food for thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it's talking about that unrestrained, um, indiscriminate sexual desire. Outside of the covenant. Exactly. Or or God's covenant or laws. Yes. So that's we see that in Mark 7, Ephesians 4. Um, The next one is sodomy. So sodomy refers to men lying with men. 
Um, the English word for sodomy is unnatural sexual intercourse, uh, one man with another of a human being with an animal. That's another form of sodomy or bestiality um, that is prohibited in scripture. Um, and then finally, the last two, um, obscenity. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Um, now, remember, this does not rule out appropriate sexual humor in the privacy of marriage, but it's talking about inappropriate sexual comments in a public setting. And that would be a good um, verse just to talk about, like the prohibitions around cussing. You know, That's mm-hmm. not appropriate um, sort of language to use because it is obscene. Uh, and then incest. So sex with family members or relatives. Um, this is forbidden in scripture. So those are the 10 prohibitions that we actually see in scripture. Um, we want to talk a little bit about prohibitions, though, that we would also put in our book of don't do these things, well, even yeah. though it's not like specifically listed. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is really what people reach out to us. I mean, they're not really wondering, hey, you know, can we have an orgy? Like, No one has, you know, biblically, is that okay? No one's asked us that. But it's really these things that that people are like, okay, what do you think on? Because culture has gone in such a way and pornography has become so predominant that these things are now kind of on the table for a lot of people. Like, hey, what do you think? about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So the first one is anal sex. So a lot of people will say like, okay, what's the difference between oral and anal? I could just see people like listening to this right now and cringing as soon as I said that. Probably. (laughs) Uh, And for good reason, because here's the deal. Yes. Scripture is not clear. It does say sodomy, right? Is prohibited. Um, but it's not clear about like marital man and woman anal sex. We, we don't see that in scripture, but here's why we think it's prohibited. Okay. We're just going to give you like a medical clinical answer here. So the vagina has many nerve endings. The rectum has virtually none. Okay. The rectum is part of the digestive system and it's designed to absorb material. So guess what? That's great for spreading disease, right? Vagina is for the sexual reproduction system. The vagina also has a low pH, so it kills um, disease. The anus has a high pH, and so it's full of bacteria. Yeah. Here's an, an interesting fact, too, that the anus has a cell wall that's one cell thick. Mm-hmm. So it easily tears, which not a good idea to tear inside of your anus because it's open for infection, right? But a vagina is, I think, 30 or 25 to 40 cells thick so mm-hmm. it's very elastic yeah god made it for reproduction and for amorous activities yeah so you know yes this is not directly in scripture but for the medical reasons um and also clinical think of it from a psychological perspective what's your reason for wanting to engage in anal sex if it's to play out pornographic culture or what you've been exposed to pornographically then it's not within covenant it's not blessed and it's not sacred and i would make an argument too that it starts to become unnatural in that way just because like when you watch a lot of porn what happens is you need a higher and higher stimulus mm-hmm. to get the same um, turn-on effect in your body. Um, long talk on that. But as you up dopamine cons- consistently for a long time, you become more and more um, accustomed to that same dopamine hit. Yeah. So it's not as potent. So this is why I think a lot of people go into these like sort of extreme things because Mm -hmm. they need that new thing to turn them on exactly so 
just just be careful for that. Speaking of porn, modern pornography wasn't heard of back then, even though they had lots of other, um, you know, obscenity. But um, modern pornography is not in scripture. But we would put that in the prohibition category because it completely breaks covenant. There are people that are not your spouse that you're lusting after. And so from a um, concept and uh, principle perspective, we rule pornography out of, of the marriage bed. Well, it would be lusting after your neighbor's wife, right? Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, or that's also in the category of immorality. Right. Um, also though, we can make a, a completely different case for porn being, uh, evil just because of what it does to the body and right. it becomes an addiction to the people that watch it. So for that reason, we'd also say that it's not something that we should engage in. Yes. And then um, there's a few more. One more is uh, masturbation. People ask us about this. We just got another DM about this yesterday. Um, masturbation is something that the it's only referred to in scripture um, when it talks about Onan's seed being spilled. But that concept was about the seed um, not being continued to the next generation. It was evil for him not to continue his brother's uh, seed. Exactly. So, um, but what, what about masturbation? People ask about that. And still that was sex though with the person and he pulls out and doesn't. Exactly. Like, yeah. So it wasn't even kid. like it's actual still, masturbation. It's still not even a mas- masturbation. Here's why we don't think masturbation is helpful to the marriage bed. When someone is doing something in secret or alone, they're wiring their brain to respond to their own body and hand or whatever other thing you're using for yourself, um, rather than responding to your spouse. And so we don't think that masturbation alone or in secret is helpful to boost the intimacy between you and your spouse. Now, people will also ask, what about like masturbation together as foreplay? Or people that are consistently separated from each other Mm -hmm. and and don't spend a lot of time like military or truck drivers or somebody. Yeah. And so like if they're on the phone together and they're engaging in playful talk and sexual erotic talk, and then if they're stimulating themselves while they're talking with each other, you guys, we don't have any scripture for whether this is okay or not. The big deal here is it needs to be consensual. It needs to be not in secret and it needs to be connected with your spouse. Yes. So We'll leave that one up to you, but we do list it in that prohibition category unless it has all those other things attached to it. Yes. All right. So let's talk about permissions. What is encouraged in the Bible for married couples to do in the covenant of marriage? Yeah. So we're going to give you a few that we see in scripture. And then, of course, there are some questions about is this encouraged or allowed, even though we don't see it in scripture because it it's a modern thing and not a you know, something from thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about both of those. And obviously with the second set, we're going to have to talk about it in principle. Yeah. And most of our permissions, I think, come from Song of Solomon. Yes. And okay, what's cool about this is think about uh, the Garden of Eden. God created everything good. Mm-hmm. That's how he left it. He, he inspired us to fall in love with a, a creature that's very different from us and said that it was good. And then what happened was we were naked and unashamed, and then sin entered the picture, okay? Fast forward. Then we go to Song of Songs, and really what's interesting is it's another garden. Mm -hmm. It's another garden scene from, and this is actually what a lot of Hebrew scholars 
uh, acknowledged. Right. We're looking at the Song of Songs. This is another garden scene that gives us the picture of maybe the already not yet. Yeah, the redeemed sexuality. And the reason why we say already not yet, if you're familiar with eschatological concepts or um, end times or the gap between where we are now and where we will be when the Lord brings us home. Um, the idea is that, you know, when we have these moments of being aligned with God's will, we're in vertical alignment. Um, that's the already. So like we're living in a glimpse of what's to come. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's a not yet because we're still at risk of fallenness. We're still at risk of experiencing the perils that come with fallenness. Yes. But I would say when you have that connection that God invites us into within marriage, we get to experience the ec ecstasy of connection and pleasure mm -hmm. that I think ultimately that God wants to give us um, in the world to come. So, and you know, it's really cool. I, I found a stat that our, our dopamine rises 250% over baseline when we're having an orgasm or when we're experiencing sex. Wow. So, so cool. You know, God designed sex to be really the pinnacle or the the far end of the spectrum of pleasure. Right. So how do we achieve that? What are, what are we doing here? <laughs> what, what are the, what are the permissions? I love that. Okay. So first of all, we see erotic compliments all throughout the song of Solomon, starting in the very first chapter, you see it in the first few verses and some of the most sensual statements are the poems where the woman is talking to the man or the man is talking yeah. to the woman about each other's bodies. Yeah. You're like your neck is like a tower. That's such a sensual statement. Right <laughs> there. Um, but no, they describe each other's private parts with lots of imagery and adjectives. And they're just stunned yeah, by each do, other's bodies. What do they talk about? I think sure. we'll just assign <laughs> it as reading material for everyone. Um, but seriously, go read Song of Solomon. You see erotic compliments throughout. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of couples, Christian couples, get really you know weirded out by erotic compliments they're they're okay with like hey babe you're beautiful but then when it comes to their husband complimenting them sexually right. or erotically they get all weirded out and they're like stop no well yes they get weirded out but they also try to shut it down right which is really interesting which shows maybe that there's shame there around their body mm -hmm. but or they just have the sex is bad narrative right. from childhood right. or the silence around sex but remember that god made your body beautiful and and he made it. <laughs> He's the one who designed it. It's his fault if you don't mm -hmm. like it. So blame him. <laughs> I think God wants you to develop a positive relationship <laughs> with your body. Thank you. See, Krista has to play a uh, good cop here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next permission that we see in Scripture? Oh, you're letting me take this one. Oral sex. Uh, we find that in Song of Songs 2, 3, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, where the woman is giving oral to her husband. Yeah. And that... I mean, look it up. Even in when we look at Near Eastern writings and, and love poetry, this is very clearly talking about that. Yeah. And so we don't want to like rush over that because that's really important. There is a lot of extra biblical literature. So um, Hebrew love poetry outside of the Bible that talks about some of these same images. So for instance, in Song of Solomon 2 verse 3, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade, I took great delight and sat down and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So the fruit refers to male genitals. Like we see that or, throughout. Or semen. 
Yes, that too. Um, we see that throughout extra biblical literature in the Hebrew. So why would we assume that this means something different when it's really consistent across extra biblical literature? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a pretty clear uh, reference to um, oral sex. Um, and then also... Song of Songs chapter 4, verse 16. Mm-hmm. The woman is asking... Look at that. For oral from her husband. <laughs> she says, Awake, O north wind, and come, thou south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. Yes. So, these erotic words are spoken by Solomon's bride, mm-hmm. and it's at the culmination of a very sensuous love scene, um, and the Shulamite woman asks her husband to blow on her garden. This is a poetic reference. We're not talking about between the peas and the cucumbers. <laughs> it's a different right. type of garden. But actually, garden is a metaphor you very often used. Actually, so is the door. Yeah. You, you could actually hear that. That's used for the woman's genitalia. Yeah. Um, yeah, so check that out. Just just read this. It's so interesting how straightforward and how celebratory Song of Song is. Yeah. Um, actually, a lot of the Hebrew, or I should say, um, scholars that look at this literature are throughout the ages have considered Song of Songs one of the most holy books just because they say, like, it's the holy place because it's the most intimate that a man and wife get it's depicted in the Bible, but it's also, I mean, that's remember a type and shadow of what God wants to have with us. The most intimate um, was in the in the tabernacle, the the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's sex would be the holy of holies for the the marriage couple. So, there's so much type and shadow going on here. It's absolutely fascinating. All right, another permission is fantasy. So first, let us tell you what we're not talking about. We're not talking about, and scripture does not give permission for fantasy outside of the couple. So mm-hmm. if you're fantasizing about other people or what you've seen or making up a scene that does not involve you and your spouse alone together, then that's not going to be within covenant. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard someone say, and, and this is this is true, your orgasm actually happens in your mind. Mm-hmm. That's where it happens. And your mind is the most sex or the, the, the most powerful sex organ you have in your body. Yeah. So going places and having fun. I mean, God gave you an imagination for a reason. Yeah. It's not just, I mean, think about ho- all the ways throughout history that imagination has been used to hurt and to maim and to destroy and to, you know, send us into lust and all these other things, but also God created our imaginations to do wonderful things, Mm -hmm. to build, to create, to grow, to enjoy. This is one of those ways that we can use within the Mm -hmm. covenant of marriage between your spouse and you. Um, And and that will be something that you would have to um, really dig out for yourself. Just start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So to give biblical reference for the fantasy that we see in Song of Solomon, in chapter 1, um, verses 12 through 14, they're fantasizing about going to En Gedi. Well, if you know about En Gedi, it's this place on the Dead Sea, and it's where a lot of perfumes originate um, from the Middle East because it's just a beautiful yeah. scene. It's um, really incredible because, yeah. like, you have this deadness all around. Right. And then you go to this place, and it's just, like, beautiful. And it's a, an oasis. Right. And that's really how they treat it. Like, 
Yes, there's desert all around us. There's stress. There's trouble. But let's go to En Gedi. Let's go to this oasis and find our love and, and, and be renewed. Yeah. So that is a good model for the type of fantasy that scripture does give permission for and encourages. Where would they find that? Verses. Song of Solomon 1, 12 through 14. And then chapter two, um, and so, and there's actually more references than that, but yeah. that should get you going. And we're not trying to go super deep into all all of this stuff, but yes. this is just to give you a glimpse of like, this is what the Bible is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, another one is dancing between a husband and a wife. Now. We didn't say that the Bible said go to a dance club right. and dance with others or, you know, turn dance on, provocatively in yes. front of others. It says to turn on salsa music. <laughs> <laughs> but we see uh, the couple making reference to dance in Song of Solomon 6 and 7. Um, and so this is something that you guys can explore as a couple on your own, in your the privacy of your bedroom, in the covenant of your marriage. Yes. You know what's so funny is, is dancing is such... A, a glimpse at freedom. Yeah. At letting loose. It's playful. It's playful. It's mm-hmm. fun. You know, it's funny. You turn on some music that's just going, you know, and, and you know, really awesome, you know, fun music and kids instantly respond to it. Right. Kids, you know, they're curious. They're just, you know, they're completely alive. Right. And they just let themselves go. And mm-hmm. it's the first thing they just have fun. And it's it, it, us as adults have, have learned how to stay so stiff, mm-hmm. how we've learned how to stay just, you know, just kind of dead to being affected by that uh, joy of true. movement and fun. Yeah. So we'd encourage you, you know, turn on some music, have fun. Um, <laughs> should we share about the counter? <laughs> <laughs> this was not within a, a sexual context. No, FYI. but this is, this is in the context of just having fun. Yes. Um, but, we, uh, I turned on some music. We're just going. We're, it was later in the evening, but we're just having fun as a family. We're like unloading the dishwasher, getting ready to make dinner. Yeah. yeah. And um, we turn on some music and I look over and Adeline, our, our five-year-old, is on the counter island <laughs> and she's just going to town dancing. <laughs> and I just started laughing at her. She's just going. And so she looks at me and I jump up on the counter too and just start dancing with it. She <laughs> loved that because she didn't think I would get up there. Yep. And then of course the whole family ended up on the countertops in the kitchen having a blast. <laughs> but that's just a, just a glimpse of like, Hey, this is, f- you know, be alive yes. in your life. Yep. Don't get through life dead. Totally. And it really relieved the stress. There was a lot of tension as far as like we're working on deadlines. And as soon as the kids go to bed, we got to get that thing done because we have the event this weekend. And we're just, you know, there's a lot going on and we weren't really letting loose or being playful. Well, that allowed us to just Mm -hmm. kind of relieve the tension and let loose and be playful. This was not in a sexual context, but how much more could that ignite connection and release tension if you have that within a sexual context in your bedroom, just you and your spouse? I think it was John Gottman. I'm going to misquote him, but he says something like everything before sex is foreplay. Mm. Yep. So it's like, or like Kevin Lehman, sex begins in the kitchen. yeah, Yeah. You know, create an environment of fun. You honestly have to feel before you're able to go into desire and arousal. Yeah. So connecting just for fun and talking and, and being present is such a massive element of uh, freedom and, and the joy that you really want to get out of your intimacy. 
So there, in, in the vein of fun, there are a lot of other things that we are not going to see specifically in scripture. Um, but because the principle is there, you know, the playful principle and have fun and let loose, um, we see that with the erotic compliments and the dancing uh, fantasy, um, then we would apply those principles to some other things that are modern. So we're not going to go into all the details now. Come to Adventure and Intimacy Retreat to experience more of that. But we go into detail on, you know, lingerie games around your sexuality um and where to look you exactly. know it, it's kind of scary out there when you start looking yes, exactly. so and you do have to be careful and have a moniker of caution exactly but this can be a fun pursuit and remember mm-hmm. that play is so important i think it's when we become adults we learn to not play anymore and really it's around play where we make our best and most beautiful discoveries um, it really, it's, it's the curious mind. So, um, start the conversation around this. Maybe listen to this with your spouse and, and talk about, Hey, what are these things? Like, why do we have such barriers in these areas and mm-hmm. how can we start working on them? It's good. So in summary, if it's harmful, if it's sinful, or if it's coerced, then that's off limits. That's a prohibition. That's something Mm -hmm. that we're not going to encourage you to do. Um, On the flip side of that, if it enhances play and it doesn't degrade and it doesn't promote promiscuity, Mm -hmm. it's agreed upon, it's not only right, but it's encouraged Mm -hmm. and to be celebrated in the covenant of marriage. So that's our kind of our our guiding principle for you. So yes. Sometimes, though, even if people have knowledge of these permissions and prohibitions, um, it's still difficult for them to let go, be playful and um, shift their narrative around around these things in the bedroom and in their interactions with their spouse. If that's the case for you, we highly encourage you come to Adventure and Intimacy Retreat. We're going to be diving into this more specifically. We actually have a bonus session um, where we give you guys a menu and you work on your custom sex adventure. Like what does menu mean? A menu of erotic compliments, a menu of names for different body parts that you like or don't like. Right, because what we found was so many couples uh, show up to intimacy and they're just overwhelmed by like I want it to be different I want to have more fun I want to and just improve the quality of our connection but I have no idea where to start or they might have ideas but then they're like uh that could be a landmine like so they don't want to like you know trigger their spouse so this gets you guys talking about all these things I mean we go into positions we go into uh, nicknames music, we go into uh, foreplay, like things you like or don't like yeah. around all of this. All the things that enhance the marriage that are not uh, degrading yes. are on the table and we encourage people just to talk about it and give them kind of a roadmap to start structuring really the rest of their intimate life together. Yeah. So um, come and join us. It's going to be a, an incredible, incredible time. October 20th and 21st, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Yes. We will put the info in the show notes. And it's it's a beach. It's an amazing, beautiful place. And if you're a golfer, oh my word, let's let's go golfing, okay? <laughs> Reach out so to me. <laughs> Adam will be planning some golfing with whoever wants to do that. Um, but there's a spa there. There's um, all sorts of activities on the beach. Obviously, lots of relaxation. Um, there's a mocktail hour every yeah. night. 
and um, you guys can come a day early or you can come as early as you want. But if you want to do the VIP tickets, you can come a day early to spend some. Uh, we're going to do a VIP dinner yeah. the night before and do cornhole on the beach. And look, at, we spend so much money on other things that are not investing in us and the quality of life uh, around relationship. Come and be with us and, and invest in your marriage. All right. July 4th, freedom in the bedroom. Freedom, freedom. And USA freedom, baby. Yeah. I think we should put that in the title. USA, baby. Yeah. <laughs>